This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. You know that feeling you have, that deep love connection with your fur baby? What if your best friend was also a happiness and hope hound for very sick children? One who captured the attention of the room everywhere she went. That was Scrappy, Larry Grogan's five-pound toy poodle chihuahua mix. And once her time came at 12 and a half years in 2019... Larry was so heartbroken, he spent the next two years writing a book honoring her and the important work she did as a therapy dog, helping sick children feel hope and happiness. Today, Larry's going to tell us some wonderful stories about his debut novel, A Tale of Love, Life Lessons from Scrappy, a Pet Therapy Dog, and about the life lessons he learned from Scrappy. You're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. I'm Jody Miller-Young, your host. We're going to take a short break from our sponsor, so grab that favorite beverage, get comfortable, and we'll be right back. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. If you've just joined, you're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio, and I'm Jody Miller-Young. Today, we'll be talking with Larry Grogan, author of A Tale of Love, Life Lessons from Scrappy, a Pet Therapy Dog. Larry's deep connection with his therapy dog, Scrappy, led to a rich life filled with helping sick children and learning life lessons from Scrappy that he's compiled into this book for us. Welcome, Larry. Thank you very much, Jody. I'm glad to have you with us today. You know, Scrappy seemed to have made such an indelible mark on your life. How did she come into it? Well... That's actually a bit of a, an interesting story because at the time I lived in upstate New York mm-hmm. and I was uh, going out with a, a young lady who had a four-year-old son and she's the one that actually got scrappy and, uh, but her son was just a little too rough. And so uh, whenever he came into the room, she ran to me and would kind of hide as best as she could. And uh, when we decided to go our own separate ways, we both agreed that it would be in everybody's best interest if Scrappy came with me. So <laughs> in, in a sense, she was a, a rescue dog, but not in the traditional sense, if you will. Right. Rescued from an overactive four-year-old boy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which could be quite scary to a little dog like Scrappy. Well, and it was because, you know, back then she was probably only three pounds. Oh, wow. And so she was a, a tiny little 
uh, girl. And so uh, to have a rambunctious four-year-old boy running and chasing you around, I'm sure put a little bit of fear into him. Absolutely. Now, you start the book with a chapter called Love is a Responsibility. Mm -hmm. Tell us what that means to you. Well, I think from my perspective, you know, I would watch Scrappy. When we would visit the children at the Children's Hospital and other healthcare facilities, I would just see how calm she was and how uh, receptive she was to everyone that she came in contact with. And you could just sense in her own way, she was accepting the role of being a pet therapy dog. And to me, I just interpreted that as love because she always went back. She never flinched away from anybody. And in many instances, there were times when a child was afraid of a dog, but yet they would still see that comfort and love coming from her and be willing to reach out and pet her. And that fear began to go away. Mm. And so that was part of it that I saw within Scrappy and how she worked with the children. But I think from a human perspective, I think sometimes we take love for granted. You know, we may say, I love you to our significant other every single day. But is that kind of putting that on a lower level? Not that we are, but maybe it's just not as significant as it could be. And so my point of that chapter was to illustrate that in Scrappy's world, love was a responsibility. She took her role as a pet therapy dog very seriously. And she took love as a responsibility to me very seriously. And I think we can just do more of that ourselves you know, with our family, with our significant others, and just make sure that we don't diminish any way our responsibility to love the other person. Maybe more intentionally. Is that what you mean? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How did both of you get involved with the children's hospital as opposed to another type of facility that pet therapy dog might visit? We moved from upstate New York to Johnson City, Tennessee. And when we moved here, one of our neighbors had a Doberman that was actually in pet therapy. And that was really our first encounter with the idea of pet therapy. And then the children's hospital was close to us. I just looked into it to figure out what we needed to do. And we went through their training course because at that point in time, Scrappy was mature enough. She was probably, you know, four, five years old at that point in time, that she could manage situations without difficulty. And she was always, I said, just so calm and relaxed and everybody just loved her. I mean, people in the car next to us would just stare. She would look out the window, for example. And so that's kind of prompted us to take a look into it and going through the training program. Once we were certified through that, we had the choice of selecting a particular hospital facility. And we chose the children's hospital because she was so small and she wasn't going to intimidate anybody. And so I thought that would be a good mix. But what I didn't know that at that time, the children's hospital had their own requirements. And so we had to be interviewed and visit with the people that ran the 
pet therapy program at the children's hospitals in their child life services group. And so once they were satisfied with Scrappy and um, that she wasn't going to endanger any of the children there, that's how we got into it. Yeah. So anybody who is interested in having your dog go through pet therapy dog training, if you choose a children's hospital, you may have to go through those requirements as well. Scrappy is adorable. You know, she was just the cutest. I'm not surprised that people in other cars would smile and wave. Everyone listening, you'll have the opportunity to see pictures of Scrappy and Scrappy and Larry on the Pet Life Radio site on the Bark and Swagger page. What's your favorite story, Larry, from your experiences at the Children's Hospital with Scrappy? Oh, there's a lot of lot of favorite stories. I, I would say the most memorable story was we entered the hospital and we would always go to the nurse's station first. And we did that for a reason, but the nurses needed a little attention as well. But we would get the a little list scrappy of, love. Absolutely. So <laughs> yeah. we would get the list of rooms that uh, wanted to visit from Scrappy. But on this particular day, we could hear a child crying from mm-hmm. the opposite end of the of the hospital. And so the nurse who was attending to this child knew that we were coming and she saw us from around the corner and she asked if we could visit them first. And of course we did. And before we entered the room, the nurse stopped us and said, you know, this young boy is about to get his chemo treatment. And that's why he was crying. He, it wasn't his first time. Mm. So he knew what this situation was going to entail. And so we just sat next to him. We had seen him before. We were familiar with him and his mother and his mother was there. And so Scrappy just sat in between the two of us and he never, he never took his hand off of her. Yeah. Now, kind of like me, he never stopped crying, but he was not screaming like he was before we entered the room. But the fact that she just sat there again, so calmly right next to him, and he had his hand, you know, just all over her back and side while he went through this treatment. And so, you know, when it was all over, you know, he kissed Scrappy on the head, his mother kissed Scrappy on the head. And as we were leaving the room, the nurse stopped us again and thanked us for doing that because in her world, every time she entered the room, the little boy thought something bad was going to happen. Right. So she felt bad. And the fact that Scrappy was there and could calm him down during this difficult time meant the world to her as well. Scrappy was like his life raft during the procedure. Exactly. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, Every chapter is a life lesson that you learn from Scrappy that you are passing on to the reader. If you had to choose just one, and this may be tough, but if you had to choose just one, what was the biggest life lesson Scrappy taught you and why? Well, it might relate to the story I just told you, because that story is in a chapter called Beyond Call. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as that situation ended, his mother asked every time that he was going to go through treatment if Scrappy could come. And we had scheduled days that we would go visit. But even if it wasn't one of our scheduled days, they would still call and ask if, if we could be there for him. I named that chapter Be On Call because it's important for us to be available for people. 
whether it was Scrappy, myself, you, whoever it might be, there's always going to be someone that needs us, whether it's to hold their hand, just to talk quietly, or just to listen. And so I think Be On Call is one of the more important chapters in the book for that very reason. So, so true. So true. People need their people. And when you need someone, you want them to be there for you. Absolutely. One chapter is titled Lick the Bowl. (laughs) Tell us what that means in terms of a life lesson for us. Lick the Bowl is really a lesson to us about be happy. Enjoy what you have. And the reason I thought about it was I would think about other dogs that I've seen when they get ready to eat. And this includes Scrappy as well. And you just see their entire body just begin to wiggle, whether it's (laughs) eating or you've come home from a long day of work, your dog's been away or been alone. And they just, the tail begins to wag, the whole body begins to move a little bit. But lick the bowl is really about enjoying everything that we have. Scrappy's bowl was always full of food, but she only ate after I finished eating because she would, yeah, she would always count on me putting a little bit of something of whatever I had on top of her her food. And and trust (laughs) me, we're talking, you know, a thumbnail amount of food. That was about it. But for her, that was, that was really it. I mean, she wanted to be eating what I ate in addition to what you know, her food was as well. And so Lick the Bowl was really that opportunity for Scrappy just to be excited to have something different. It was her turn to eat. And then when she finished eating, she would sit back on my arm. She always sat on my left arm. She'd put all four paws in the palm of my hand and I would just rub her chest and she would sit back. And after every meal, she would be sitting there and I'd gently rub her chest and she would belch <laughs> so loudly. I mean, it was really kind of gross coming out of this five pound <laughs> little puppy, but um, that was scrappy. That was, for her, that was licking the bowl. And that was the sign that, you know, the meal was great. The company is fantastic. I love being back in your arms. And so that's why I called it Lick the Bowl. I love it. I love it. While this book doesn't seem to be positioned as such, do you have a lot of children whose parents read them this book? Do you know? Only because it just dawned on me. They're great life lessons from the perspective of through a dog. So it's a great entry point for for kids to learn things about life and learn the story of Scrappy and how Scrappy helped so many children. That's a great point. And I guess, obviously, it depends on the age of the child. To answer your question directly, I I really don't know. What I do know is that um, my grandchildren, one, my grandson, who is 10, he's actually read it. And he's a voracious reader. Now, his sister, who is three years younger, I don't believe has read it. And honestly, I don't know if it would be appropriate for her at that age. But I think you're right. I think as you kind of mature a little bit, these are lessons that could be taught along the way, you know, with a story. And I think it also would put a young reader in a situation where they would, through words, 
experience conditions that hopefully they would never have to experience for themselves. Yes, that's whether it's absolutely a sickness true. or ailment or whatever the case might be. But just know that there are other children out there that are going through difficult times and they can understand through this book what some of those conditions entail and the challenges and the difficulties that other people may encounter. Because I know that my grandchildren have a very lovely life Mm. and they would never have the exposure to these conditions if it hadn't been through the book itself. So there's, that's a good thought. Yeah. And and the life lessons in it and how our dogs can teach us so much if we just listen and look, you know, watch. So yes. And I I definitely think that a, a parent would need to frame it properly for kids, but you know, maybe if for a little bit older kids, it it could be great. I want to talk to you about so much more, but we're going to hold that thought for a moment because we're going to take a short break from our sponsor. But everyone listening, don't go away because when we return, we're going to learn what Scrappy did at a fancy fundraiser that got everyone's attention. So refresh that favorite beverage, get cozy, and we'll be right back. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back, right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Molly, here's your dinner. Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. If you've just joined, I'm Jody Miller Young, and you're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. We're talking with Larry Grogan, author of a book, A Tale of Love Life Lessons from Scrappy, a Pet Therapy Dog. Larry, you talked about how you went to a dress up event with Scrappy and what happened there in the book. Share that with us. Certainly. It was uh, in a chapter called Control the Room. And <laughs> at this particular event, it was the first time this organization had held a fundraiser, but there were several hundred people in attendance and they wanted the dogs to dress up. And Scrappy never was one of the kind of dogs that enjoyed dressing up. You could kind of hold something in front of her and she'd kind of look at you like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> but at this particular event, they wanted to have a fashion show. And so they were asking everyone to get in line and proceed down the catwalk. Well, no one was moving. Everybody was just standing in their seat. And it wasn't because we didn't hear the announcement. It was just the reluctance to begin the process. And so 
for some reason, Scrappy just kind of jumped up. You know, she was laying in my lap and she kind of jumped up and I took that as a sign to let's start the process. So she was the very first one in line and she walked down the catwalk and down to the very end and just kind of stood there for a little bit and was gazing out into the audience and people were taking their pictures. And then all of a sudden she just sat up on her hind legs. And no prompting on my part. She just did that occasionally. And I think it was really to see better, you know, to kind of get a little higher perspective. When you're that close to the ground, you want to do whatever you can to get a little perspective on life. And I think that's all it was for. But I described it as it was like a meerkat that you would see on, on TV, how they just kind of stand up on their hind legs and stretch their full body as as far as they possibly can to get a better view. Yeah, And that's exactly what Scrappy did. And of course, the audience just went crazy and um, laughed and cheered. And a lot of flashbulbs were going off. But um, it, it was really just her own instinct to see what else was going on out there that she wanted to to take in. But it got the whole process started. And from that point on, the uh, caravan of dogs and their outfits just fell right in line. Tough act to follow, though. (laughs) (laughs) Not from a costume perspective. (laughs) Maybe from a character perspective, not from a costume. Well, character gets a lot of brownie points. Yeah, (laughs) That sounds like fun. You encourage us to bring our emotions to tears. Tell us about what that means for you and why. That's an interesting chapter in the book for a variety of different reasons. It's primarily for me. You know, Scrappy was my life. I mean, it was the two of us and we did so much together. And when we were physically separated, I cried endlessly and I still cry. And I think from the perspective of being in front of people, when you break down emotionally, some people may think that to be a sign of weakness. And I've never thought that way. And I don't want other people to think that way. I think if you have the capacity to bring your emotions to a point where you physically start to cry, it's not weakness. It's actually a strength because you're acknowledging the significance of something very important. It may not be important to anybody else, but that doesn't matter. It's important to you. And I started thinking about that, and I thought about a variety of different things. And at the beginning of the chapter, I reflect on Jim Valvano, who was the men's basketball coach at North Carolina State University, where I attended. And in 1983, they won the the national basketball championships, but he came down with cancer. And that was one of the things that he spoke about at what was called the ESPY Awards, which was an ESPN event. And he spoke very eloquently about bringing your emotions to tears. And I thought about athletes at that point in time, because you see athletes sometimes, they just, at the end of a game, they will just physically break down if they lost in particular. And again, I don't see that as a weakness. I just see that as a sign that what just happened was so important to you that it brought all this emotion from your heart, your soul, that it just had nowhere else to go. And it came out in the form of tears and it came out in the form of emotions. And I think particularly for men, this is important to do. You know, there's the stigma that we've got to be strong at all times. And I just don't believe that. 
there's mm. a time and a place for everybody to allow themselves to bring their emotions to tears. And so that's what that chapter is all about is don't be ashamed. Don't let anyone try to shame you. That in fact, your tears is a sign that um, something was just that critical to your life that it just brought all of this raw emotion to the surface of your soul and the surface of your skin. Yeah. It's also really healthy for us to get out that stress, that high level of emotion, right? Sure. So it's, I think it has benefits across the board. And looking back at your time with Scrappy, what's one of the strongest memories you're left with? Oh my, there's just so many. I, I really, I really don't know if there's one in particular. One of the things that I told an audience when I launched this book, we had about 230 people, both live and virtual, that listened to our presentation. And one of the things I asked them to do was read the book once for the lessons and then read it again. And the reason I asked them to read it again was to begin to visualize the evolution of a character. And that character was me because so much of the book um, reflects on a time of grief that I'm dealing with. And I wanted to reach a level of celebration. And that's what Scrappy has brought to my life. And that's where I am right now. So when I think about Scrappy now, Honestly, I think about her play. I think about her playing in the backyard, just running around. She used to love to chase leaves and, you know, would fall upon us now. This was a great time for us to be in the backyard. And she would just crumble up the leaf in her in her mouth and go find another one and toss it up in the air and that kind of thing. I, I reflect back when we were in New York, we were very close to Saratoga National Battlefield. And I would take her out there on Sunday mornings and I would just let her off the leash where we weren't around anybody and there was no traffic and felt safe doing that. And just watch her run. And she just had a great time. And there, there was one time I remember she got off the path a little bit, you know, just about two or three feet, but it was in the tall grass. And she was just bouncing through that grass. And there was a couple walking by and they said, is that a dog or a kangaroo? <laughs> so, you know, I, that's where my mind is now is on those fresh, not fresh, but more favorable memories of, of our time together. Just her playing. I think about the times that we traveled together, whether it's going through airports. She loved airports, but she loved trains even more. And we would go down into the city, but I always took the commuter train and she would sit on the inside seat and just watch the people get on and off the train. And that I just found incredibly humorous, but she loved it. And um, so those are the things that always come back to my mind now. Got you. Got you. I know it's only been a couple of years, so it's still maybe too soon to even think about, but do you think you'd ever consider getting another therapy dog? One day. I'm not there yet. But yeah, I think, you know, when my business life slows down a little bit, I would consider that most definitely. Yeah, I totally feel you. Our little boy, Albie, who we rescued at seven years old, he had spent the first seven years of his life as a puppy mill breeder dog. So he was very abused and he was very scared. And I became his person. 
and he became my heart dog. I already had two dogs. We rescued him and his daughter. We still have his daughter, but we lost Albie. Um, my little boy, uh, about this February 16th will be two years. And we have a shrine to him in our living room. And we still cry about Al. You know, they just work their way into your heart. And when you have that special connection, I love all my dogs, but Albie was my real heart dog. So when you have that, like what you had with Scrappy, it takes time. It really does. And it, they're always your heart dog. But I absolutely understand how you feel. And I'm sure there are a lot of people listening today who can relate as well. So if and when the time comes, you'll know. You'll know when you're ready. We That's have right. not gotten another dog you know, <laughs> since we lost Al. But then again, we've got a house full here. So now you encourage people in honor of Scrappy to donate to their favorite animal charity or children's charity. Have you kept in touch with the children's hospital, any of the staff where you and Scrappy worked? Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. They, uh, in fact, when I had the official launch, which was just a couple of weeks ago, I invited the young lady that runs what's called Child Life Services to attend. And she and a, another young lady did. And I was very grateful that they attended because they were part of our lot. We would go every other week towards the end. And um, they were very instrumental in making sure that we had what we needed as we went around to visit all the children. So it was very important for me to have them participate in this book launch. And we announced that you know proceeds from the sale of the book for the month of October are going to go to support their cause because they've got a tough job. I mean, child life specialists are unique and very special people, much like nurses and doctors for that matter, but they have the sole responsibility of trying to make that child's day fantastic. And if you're dealing with cancer, that's a tough ask. And so they have some resources, but I wanted to make sure that we put enough money aside that they've got the financial resources to do what they do as well. And, and keep that ongoing. And then they, in turn, which was a surprise to me, contacted the director of the foundation for the Children's Hospital. And um, they called the very next day and said, look, we want to do two things. One, we want to put the book in all the gift shops. So the book is now available for sale at the um, hospital's gift shops. And this is a, it's like a community hospital, but it's very regional. So it covers Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. And so the book is now in um, all their different gift shops, but they're also going to use it as a fundraiser. So they're going to reach out to their donors make the book available so that, again, they've got another tool that they can use to raise money and all of it's going to be directed for the Child Life Specialty uh, Division. That's wonderful. I love that. So where can people purchase this book? Currently, it's available on Amazon mm -hmm. by the ebook, paper book, or hard book cover. And we're working to get it into uh, Barnes and Nobles as well as you know other major retailers. But right now, Amazon is your is your best bet. And easy, certainly easy. And where can people find you on social media? Well, there's a couple of places. We have a Facebook page, obviously. It's called Life Lessons. 
and you can go there and get information. We're also on Instagram. And fortunately, I have someone that manages all that for me. So I I don't try to keep up with all the posts. She does that for me and she does a fabulous job. Awesome. So a final word to listeners about what writing this book did for you and what you hope people will take away from it. Wow, that's a, that's a great question to end on. And, and I'll be quite honest with all the listeners. It was never my intent to write a book. It just happened during the period where Scrappy passed away. I would write notes to it. And then those notes became letters. And then the letters became stories. And it was just over time, I say over time, it was two and a half years that it took from her passing to getting the book published. That's how long it took. And so it was really just an effort on my part to take all these pieces of paper that I had and notes on the computer, notes on my phone, and to assemble them. And then I shared it with a few friends and just kept writing. And it wasn't, again, it was never my intent to actually write a book. And each anniversary of Scrappy's passing, I went away just to write and to get my emotions down on paper. And so through that process of my personal therapy with Scrappy's passing, we got to where we are today. So that's how the book came about. As far as leaving a message for our listeners, you know, if you have an animal in your life or someone special in your life, just cherish it. You know, these are special times and you want to utilize it the best you possibly can. There's always going to be uh, moments that are challenging, but at the same time, there's going to be moments to celebrate. And, and that's kind of where I am with Scrappy right now. I'm at that point that it's time for me to celebrate Scrappy and not mourn her every day like I was doing. And mm. so I appreciate your time. I appreciate the listeners listening so that I can share with everyone the great things that, that Scrappy did with her life. And if there is a message to share with everyone, we need to take a little bit of Scrappy with our lives every day because I know how she impacted others. And if we can do that the way that Scrappy did, we'll We'll have a great life. That's a beautiful message to uh, to leave with everyone. Larry, thank you so very much for coming on the show today. It's a beautiful book. I encourage everybody to buy a copy. And I'm sure that when you read it, you will be able to relate to the love that Larry felt for this little dog. So thank you, Larry. Thank you, Jody. And thank you all for listening. Thanks to our producer, Mark Winter. Mark makes this sound really good, and we love you for that, Mark. My passion is living stylishly, animal rescue, and health. So tune in next time to discover the designers, home decor, rescue stories, and health experts with great stories and important info to share. So until next time, when Fierce Fashion Call, bark and swagger. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.